Greetings and salutations and welcome to the game on ESPN 1400. You can also hear our show online at 1400ESPN.net and podcast at thegamesportshow.podbean.com. As the man said, my name is Scott Nason, broadcasting from our ESPN studios in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, on this Monday, June 21st, 2021. The game, the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, will be with you up until 8 o'clock tonight. Coming up around 6.15, we will talk Rudyard softball with their head coach, Stephen Davis, and three of their players, Brooklyn Besteman, Morgan Bickle, and Pete. Postma, who will be with us until 645, where co-host David McKeg Jr. from Sioux, Ontario will join us to give us an update on what's going on over there. And then joining us at the top of the next hour at 7 o'clock, co-host and host of Butch on Sports, Butch Davis from Metro Detroit, who will give us a Detroit sports update in addition to our roundtable. Joining us at the top of the hour, the commissioner of the Central Collegiate Hockey Association, Don Lucia, joining us on the game. Don, Appreciate you making time for our listeners here in the Eastern Upper Peninsula and joining us on the game. Uh, thanks, Scott. It's a pleasure to be on your show and with all the other Laker fans up in the uh, suit. Don, uh, you are no stranger to anyone that knows college hockey. You coached over 30 years, winning a couple national championships at Minnesota, also coaching at Colorado College and Alaska Fairbanks. So you're no stranger to the world of college hockey and in a new position as the brand new commissioner of the Central Collegiate Hockey Association, which the, the Lakers will be a part of next season. Uh, my first question is, how did you get involved in this new venture as commissioner? Well, it's kind of funny that uh, I was sitting up in my uh, place up in Alaska because we live here part of the year, and I got a call uh, from Morris Kurtz, who was kind of heading the selection and wanted to know if I have interest because there was, uh, whether it's coaches or ADs, I brought my name forward. And so I said, yeah, I would have interest in doing that. And I applied and went through the process a year ago in spring and uh couldn't have been more impressed by everything that I was hearing from what the ADs, the presidents, the coaches were looking for in this position. Uh, and I looked at it as a, as a tremendous opportunity to give back to college hockey that had been so good to me uh, over my career and uh, to myself and my family. So it was an opportunity to give back. And if, if it can be a match and I can help the CCHA get off the ground and, and put its name back on and on uh, the map, I'd be happy to do it. So it worked out great. And I, I couldn't be more excited or I've enjoyed my first year uh, coming down. Uh, I hired about a year ago at this time, so I enjoyed my first year very much. Don, the CCHA, no stranger to listeners around here with Lake State being one of the first members along with Bowling Green, Ferris State. Uh, where does the league sit right now a few months from the start of the college hockey season in October as far as planning uh, the 26-game league schedule is out? Uh, what are some other things that you and uh, the staff at the CCHA are doing right now to prepare for the upcoming season? Well, you know, it's been amazing over the course of the last year. We've added the uh, uh, University of St. Thomas to the league to round out and give us that eighth team. That was going to be really important. Hired a staff, Kevin Langseth, director of officials, longtime CCHA rep, Dean Thibodeau, who's going to be a holdover. He worked with the WCHA men and women, so he's going to be working with the WCHA women and, and uh, the CCHA men. And then our director of strategic communication, brand enhancement, Dominic Hennig, who uh, began his uh, career at Ferris State as a student and uh, worked with their hockey program. They've just done a phenomenal job uh, 
moving the league forward. And uh, we, we have a lot of changes in, in store for the upcoming season from your, our upgraded website, uh, static graphics on the website. We're going to have uh, league-wide branded TV motion graphics packages, so it will be similar to everybody. Uh, we think we've upgraded our, our, our video streaming capability. We're going to have additional cameras, additional replay opportunities uh, in intermission over the course of the next couple of years. You want to have more features rather than looking at a Zamboni going around the rink on uh, on our streaming. Uh, so hopefully we could have more uh, interviews during between periods and post game. Uh, that's something we're really excited about. We're going to have podcasts. The referees are going to be mic'd for this upcoming season. So when you're at the game, you know exactly what's going to be going on, whether it's a penalty being called or, or going back to look at replay. Uh, we've upgraded our video review play system. Uh, we've got NHL Nets coming to all the different uh, venues. Uh, so a lot in store. And uh, we could be more excited for the beginning of our season in October. Don Lucia joining us on the game, commissioner of the CCHA. And Don, the world of college hockey has changed over the past, uh, you know, dozen or so years, more teams in the league. However, of all the college sports, the little guy, if you will, the smaller D2 schools can compete for the national championship in college hockey, as we saw this year with several teams, including LSSU, uh, Certainly the new CCHA is and will be on the national landscape as far as good programs and universities investing in these programs. And you've said it on a couple other interviews I've heard with you. Uh, you know, college hockey is unique because there's really not a D2 school in any other sport, to my knowledge, in college athletics that can win a national championship. Well, you're exactly right. And, and that's the beauty of it. You know, I was uh, fortunate enough to coach at uh, Division two at the uh, University of Alaska Fairbanks. I was at a Division three institution in Colorado College where we, in 1996, we played Michigan for the national uh, title, lost in overtime to old Brendan Morrison and the yep. crew. Um, and then being at Minnesota and, 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 and competing at a Big Ten school. So I've seen all sides of it, but the beauty of uh, our sport is that you don't have to be a BCS school to compete. I always use the analogy that the beauty of like the teams in our league, we hockey, uh, whether you're at Lake State or Northern Michigan or Ferris State, it doesn't matter. It's the number one sport on campus. It's treated that way. It's given the resources, and that's one of the things that I was impressed with when I interviewed. Uh, I think it was the uh, president of Northern Michigan. I asked the question of, uh, you know, why are you doing this? And he said, you know what, we're investing a lot of money in our hockey programs and with this group of schools, and we want to try to compete at the highest level. You know, all my life, I, I try to do that, whether as a, as a player at the Division One level or coaching, you want to try to compete at the highest level. And that's what these eight schools want to do. They want to compete at the very highest level. You saw that this past year, whether it was uh, Lake State had a great run, uh, winning this, the uh, final WCHA playoff title. You had Bemidji knocking off Big Ten School, Wisconsin, in the NCAA tournament before losing the eventual national champions. And then certainly Minnesota State Mankato, uh, making it to the Frozen Four. So, you know, the goal of these schools, they want to compete at the highest level. And, you know, we look at it in the West, and our competition is the Big Ten. Our competition is the NCHC. And, you know, we've got to be able to compete with those leagues and those teams. And, 
And I think that's what we're trying to do, and I think we've shown we'll be able to do that. Don, the McNaughton Cup, one of the oldest trophies in all of hockey, will be giving to the regular season winner this upcoming season, and the Mason Cup to the playoff champion named after former LSSU and Michigan State head coach Ron Mason. Uh, in my opinion, very good branding by the league and a way to keep many of the traditions of college hockey from the WCHA and in general alive in the new CCHA. Well, you're exactly right. I mean, I go back to my days in the 70s. So, you know, John McGinnis was coaching back at Tech at that time. And I know they, they own the trophy. So it's bounced back and forth a little bit between the WCHA and CCHA. I was fortunate as a coach at Colorado College in Minnesota to, to raise that cup, I think, seven times in my uh, day. And it's an unbelievable trophy. And uh, I think it's the best regular season trophy in, in uh, certainly in, in all of college hockey. Uh, and I think the unique thing about that is that you get to keep it for the year before you have to give it up and uh, to crown that next champion. And, and then as we looked and we, we talked about what we wanted to do with the playoff uh, championship, I think it, it only made sense to honor, you know, Ron Mason and the, and the CCHA, what they've done in the past. I don't know if there's a, a more influential coach in the history of college hockey than Ron from his days at, at Lake State and Bowling Green and certainly moving on to Michigan State, but he was a a tremendous advocate for college hockey, for the little guy expansion. And uh, it, it was a great trophy. And uh, we're excited that uh, we were able to locate that. It happened to be at Notre Dame. And I should have remembered because uh, my son was on the Notre Dame team that won it the last year, the CCHA. So when I got a hold of Tom Nevola, uh, the assistant AD at uh, Notre Dame, he said, we're the proud recipients of eight years running of the uh, uh, Mason Cup, and we're happy to give it back. So we located it, and we have it back in our possession, and we couldn't be more excited to have those two tremendous trophies within the CCHA. Don Lucia joining us on the game, commissioner of the Central Collegiate Hockey Association. Don, a couple more questions before we let you go. Uh, you know, you look at this league and the tradition with Lake State winning four national championships. You've also had national championships with Bowling Green, Northern Michigan, and Michigan Tech. And while this is a new league, it's certainly an old league as the, as far as, you know, tradition and these teams winning national championship as a new league. Do you like having that? Yeah, we really do. And we look at our footprint. First of all, we have the tightest footprint in college hockey. Right. West. It's hard to believe that when we go from Bemidji to Bowling Green, but we do. Uh, there'll be shorter trips. I think the teams are excited about that. Uh, but when you look at the traditions, even the last has six, seven, eight years, Fair State's played uh, in the Frozen Four. Bemidji State's been a Frozen Four participant uh, about 10, 12 years ago, May. Minnesota State Mankato made it. Tech's been in the NCAA tournament. Lake State this year. Uh, Bowling Green's been an NCAA participant. Northern's back on the rise again. So, and, and certainly University of St. Thomas, even though they're just beginning their move into Division One, it's a tremendous school. It's a, uh, very well funded, and they're going to be a, a great partner in the CCHA. So we couldn't be more excited about the competitiveness of the league, uh, the commitment that these eight schools all have, and the tradition, the history. Uh, that they have, and, and they want to compete at the highest levels. I think mean, you see that with some of the renovations that have been going on uh, on some of the different facilities, and uh, it's going to be an exciting league. It's going to be very competitive. Uh, there'll be no gimmies within your league schedule, but that's what the fans want. They want to see good, competitive teams, and then, as we all know, based on proximity with our schools, that they're going to be able to play some good non-conference games from opponents from whether it's the Big Ten, the NCAT, based in our footprint. So we really think that the eight schools 
not only are they going to have a great 26-game league schedule, they're going to have a tremendous eight-game non-league schedule as well that should be very attractive to the fans in the region. Don, final question for you before we let you go as far as from a commissioner and a league perspective. What are your overall goals and expectations for this upcoming season and beyond as far as what it would take to make the league a success? Well, I think we all want to try to compete at the highest level. So, you know, multiple teams in the NCAA tournament on a regular basis. I, I think that's the number one goal. Uh, making an exciting brand of hockey for our fans when they come into the rink and, and they can see some of the upgrades, whether it's if they have to watch their their team on uh, a flow sports. Uh, hopefully down the line we can get some more games on national TV. We want to have good uh, officiating system so it's consistent throughout the league. Uh, and, and and make an exciting product so fans want to come to the games and that's what I can't wait to this upcoming season. I plan to be in every every venue this upcoming year and, uh, and meet staffs, meet fans, and uh, try to provide the best product we possibly can for this upcoming year. But with with some of the improvements, whether it's extra cameras, whether it's graphics packages, whether it's you know what we're trying to do through TV. I just think it's going to be there's going to be some upgrades that the fans are really going to appreciate. But as we all know, it all comes down to the product on the ice. Uh, we have a tremendous group of eight coaches, very experienced, and commitments from all eight institutions to try to compete at the highest level. And I think that's what the fans should be most excited about. Oh, we are looking forward to that up here indeed. Don Lucia joining us on the game, commissioner of the Central Collegiate Hockey Association. Don, appreciate you taking time to join our show. And certainly as the season gets near or during the season, we'd love to have you on again. Thanks for joining us tonight on the game. My pleasure. I'm happy to do it anytime you'd like me to come on your show. I appreciate that. We're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to talk Rudyard softball with their head coach and three of their star players. All coming up next on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, ESPN 1400. At Old Mission Bank, we're ready to make your home ownership dreams a reality. We're excited to announce that we now offer USDA home loans with options for 100% financing. You heard that right, 100% financing for qualifying USDA mortgages. Come see our experienced lenders to discuss your personal options and let us find the right mortgage for your needs because it's what we do best. Act now to pre-qualify by calling us or apply directly online at omvloans.com. We're Old Mission Bank, home of your experienced local mortgage professionals. FDIC insured equal housing lender. Summer, the change of seasons is sure to bring a smile to your face. Don't let your mood sour at the prospect of dealing with that unreliable mower for yet another year. Rely on the experts at Gaylor Thompson Sales and Service. Their highly skilled technicians can help. Gaylor Thompson Sales and Service takes pride in their work and they know that an ounce of prevention can mean years of reliability down the road. Call them to talk about your service needs or stop in and chat with Paul and the gang today. Gaylor Thompson Sales and Service, just off I-75, exit 373 Rudyard, Michigan. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Madigan Pingator, your independent auto owner's agency on West Water Street in the Sioux. 
O'Connor's Chrysler Dodge, Dodge Truck and Jeep in Pickford is your full-service dealership. Servicing Pickford and the surrounding areas with pride for more than 50 years. O'Connor's top-notch body shop includes a state-of-the-art frame straightener. O'Connor's is also a proud supporter of community events. Its sales team has the experience to know which model is right for each customer. And with financing available to back your purchase, you can drive away today in your dream vehicle. Local people, local pride. Stop in today on M129 at O'Connor's. You can catch podcasts of the game at thegamesportshow.com. Now let's get back to it with Scott Nason here on ESPN 1400. 616 on the game, ESPN at 1400. Scott Nason with you. I want to thank the commissioner of the Central Collegiate Hockey Association, Don Lucia, for joining us on the game. And right now we are joined by the head coach of the Rudyard Bulldogs softball team, fresh off their first state final in its school history. Stephen Davis joining us on the game. Coach, appreciate you coming in and joining us on the game. Thanks for asking us, Scott. Well, uh, first of all, Steve, congratulations on what was an unbelievable season for the Rudyard Bulldog softball program and the school in general. And before we look at the games, uh, you know, that led to the finals in East Lansing, let's go back to the beginning of the season. Uh, obviously, high expectations for this group uh, not having a season last year due to COVID-19. Uh, there were still a lot of unknowns going into the season with the pandemic. And what was you and your coach's mindset heading into your first practice? and games as far as the season because you know we didn't really know at one point if we were going to have much of a season just go back in your way back machine which is only a couple months ago really just as far as your expectations and going into the season I think uh, right off the bat in the beginning of the season we we set our goals high and uh, set our expectations high we knew uh, that if uh, if we played as well as we could and, and we put the bat on the ball like we thought we could um, leaning on Morgan and Page as our pitchers that we, we had an opportunity to play with any team and uh, you know, with with the unknowns, uh, we didn't take advantage of any situations. We we wanted to make sure that we got every game in that we could, and uh, and you know, we we played the tough competition to start the season, and and that really paid off at the end of the season. Yet another solid regular season, Steve, competing in and winning the Straits Area Conference, which really has improved over the last few years. And you schedule tough teams out of conference. Having improved competition in your league and playing some of the bigger schools out of your league, did that help prepare your team for what would end up being a very long playoff run? Yeah, playing the playing the uh, Petoskeys and the Gaylords of, uh, you know, and, and then even in conference, I mean, uh, Pickford and, and the Sioux and, and those teams, they, they give us opportunities and they give us opportunities to to put the bat on the ball, give us opportunities to field the ball a lot and they put the ball in play. So when we get opportunities to get on the field, it makes us better every single time and, and that's really what we have to focus on is seeing the ball come at us. I mean, in Northern Michigan, you, you may not get on the field until May and, and uh, so scheduling those games downstate and then getting those home games in late in the season uh, gives you a real, real advantage uh, when it comes to playoffs. Looking at your playoff run, you won your districts at home with a uh, pretty close three to one game against Pickford in the district final. We'll talk more about one of those plays in that game with one of your players later on. And then you go out West and win the regional and then having a quarterfinal game at home against Hillman. That had to be a great experience for you and your team. Uh, you know, big crowd, you had the band there and uh, just a, had just be a great experience of course getting the win probably the best of the experience yeah of course uh, the end of the game is always exciting but uh thinking about uh these seniors uh, getting an opportunity to uh play the last game on on our home field it's a quarterfinal game i don't know if there's I, I don't know all the history but i don't know if there's many opportunities 
to win a quarterfinal game on your own field. Uh, and, and really, it puts a lot of additional pressure on, on everybody. Uh, you're, you're expected to be there, and, and you're hoping to be there, and, and just getting there is always a huge accomplishment. And then uh, with the home field really puts a lot more pressure on you. And, hey, and you know, we have the experience. We have the girls who have been playing for all these years, and we've been to quarterfinals. This is our third time. And uh, I think the nerves were there, but but we learned how to swallow those down and, and play through them. Did not having Rogers City in that matchup uh, give you a little bit of relaxation? And, and no offense to Hillman because they had a very good season, but not, Roger City was the team that knocked you out twice, and then St. Ignace knocks them out of the regionals. Uh, not having Roger City face you, did, did that make you happy? I mean, we we knew that uh, we. I mean, we obviously didn't know who we were going to play, but we knew that whoever we played, it was going to be uh, a challenge. Uh, you know, not just physically and, and you know hitting the pitches, but mentally going into a quarterfinal. A lot of time, it's where the ball will bounce, and and you can't always control that, and that's what can get scary about those type of situations. But overall, uh, you know, you you make plays when you need to make plays, and and you uh, hit the ball when you have to. Timely hitting uh, always is going to you know, make you come out on top. You make the trek to East Lansing this weekend and take on the number one ranked team in division Four, Holton. And well, you were down seven to one heading to the bottom of the fifth inning. Uh, certainly not the start you wanted, but your team fought back a big three run homer by Paige Postma, who we'll be talking to in the next segment, narrowed the gap. Then you rally to score three runs in the bottom of the seventh to tie the game before the walk-off home run by Morgan Bickle in the bottom of the ninth inning. We'll also be talking to Morgan coming up. I was listening to that game, Steve. I was on the edge of my seat, and I wasn't even sitting down. Just what a what an amazing game of softball that was. Yeah, I don't think you can get much more exciting. Uh, uh, you know, from the edge of your seat to the third base coach's box to the dugout, to, you know, watching Morgan step up there and, and hit that home run, uh, watching Paige step up and get us back in the game, um, watching how these girls uh, reacted to uh, the environment. I mean, um, some of the coolest things, watching them interact with some of the younger kids. And, and uh, I watched uh, several of them give uh, Joey uh, Van Dusen knuckles before they went up to bat. And, that, you know, those are things that these kids do, and uh, they know it's not just about themselves. And, and I think that helps calm some nerves, too. It takes some of that pressure off of themselves. And, and we had fun with it. I mean, there was no doubt we were down 7-1, to one, and we just kept saying you can only win by scoring one run at a time, And except for Paige figured out how to score three. <laughs> She certainly did. So you win that game and making it ever to making it to your first ever state final, taking on the defending champ Unionville Subwanning. I think I got that right. And boy, their pitcher, Bryn Poliga, who's going to Northwood, uh, certainly was one of the stories. Didn't end up the way you wanted, obviously losing 14 to one in the state final, but this is a team that's won seven state titles. They've been to 10 state championship games. So they're the gold standard of division four. Just tell us a little bit about that game. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what you shoot for. You want to be a team like them and, you know, give all the credit to them. They they came into that game. They they had no nerves. Uh, they knew what they were doing. They knew what to expect. Uh, you know, they, they were just a first-class team, and they, they really play the game the right way. Uh, their pitcher had a ton of movement on their pitches. She could she could bring the ball. Uh, and then give credit to their hitters. I mean, they they really uh, knew what they were doing. They, they were patient at the plate, and, uh, and they put the bat on the ball. A lot of times, you know, it wasn't just a matter of placing the ball. You know, they didn't hit a lot of home runs, but just hitting it where we weren't. And then uh, we played good defense. We just couldn't get to a lot of the balls. They hit them in gaps. And, you know, what do you do in those situations? They just had a great day. And, you know, they're, they're a great team. So 
we we were happy to be there. Uh, obviously, we were our goal was to uh, walk away with the state championship, but uh, proud of what we ended up doing. What a season it was. Steve Davis joining us on the game, head coach of the Rudyard softball team. And Steve Rudyard, a small community, a small school, yet you and your coaches and ones before you, like Pat Van Sloten, Kurt Kukuski, and others have built this program year after year. It's been a slow build, but it's just been every year has been more successful. We've seen that in baseball as well with uh, Rudyard, Ronnie Van Sloten, Jimmy Smith, along with Billy Mitchell. What's the secret, uh, you know, as far as your success? How has Rudyard become so good in softball over the past 10, 15 years? You know, it all starts, you know, going back in the last, you know, 15 years of just slowly developing the program. I mean, we watched the baseball team do with Ron and uh, and starting off in the gym early in the year and just getting some swings in. And uh, and we followed that pattern, you know, and it really helps us. It helps that we had kids that were just addicted to softball. We had uh, parents that were willing to give up uh, summer vacations and, and, and willing to sit on that bench and, and help coach and put themselves in stressful positions. And we had players that were willing to sit in the car with them after games and, and ride home when it maybe didn't go as well as it should have and uh, and hey at the end of the day those uh, all build you into a better team and and watching those guys from the baseball field for all those years and watching what they do uh, it really uh, it, it affected all of us you know and then having great coaches that I followed you know with with Kurt and with uh, Pat and all those guys and just learning what to do and what not to do in those situations uh, really pays off when you get into those higher pressure situations. Steve, who are some of the coaches that help you out this season? Uh, when I umpire your game, it's always, it seems like a very professional business-like approach from you and your coaches and players. Who are some of the other coaches that helped uh, with your success this season? Yeah, so we have uh, Lance Bickle. Uh, he's he's the first base coach and uh, the main assistant coach. And then Kevin Postma, he uh, he does a lot of our, uh, you know, um, I guess batting practice practice pitching and he works with the outfielders a lot and then Tom McKee is just your all around uh, yeah. he takes care of everything right he's he's always there to help out whenever needed if he you know anything I mean he's he's just one of those guys that can help out in any way that he possibly can so uh, and then Dean Bestman is our other coach and you know he's been helping me with JV softball I, I think now for about 10 or 11 years so he's been around the program he understands the game uh, when, when you really need like some long-term advice and, and just, someone just to talk to he's a great person to to lean on there. And that's where it starts to me, Steve, is the lower levels developing this players. I mean, we've heard for years, this group coming up, uh, you know, was going to be very good and they are. And what is your involvement and the other coaches with, with the little league softball and the lower levels? Do you have much, or are you looking at, you know, kind of developing everyone to, you know, play at the similar system? What, what is your involvement with the Little League? Well, they definitely set a standard. I mean, uh, these girls have uh, have put that bar about as high as you can get it. And you looked uh, around the crowd on Saturday uh, and Friday, the amount of uh, younger Rudyard kids that were there, the the number of sweatshirts and stuff like that that were in this crowd, those kids were excited. And they, they wanted to be part of this program. And, uh, uh, you know, Tommy McKee is helping coach the Little League kids. And uh, Colleen Rader, who's my JV coach right now, is uh, involved with the little kids. And then we have, you know, you go to the park on any Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and it's full. Yep. And, and this you know weekends like this one and, and teams like this one and leaders like uh, like we have with these uh with these girls that are here today and and some of our other ones just continue to build our program and you know you can't beat that the, who doesn't want to be part of something like that a couple more questions for you before we let you go head coach steve davis joining us on the game of the rudyard softball team and you look at the overall year 
for the Rudyard Athletic Program. I'm calling it the best year of any school in the EUP in history. I mean, state final for softball, state semifinal, boys basketball, quarterfinal, volleyball girls, quarterfinal, basketball girls. You also had a playoff for the football team, several individuals that had great years. I mean, just what an overall great year for Rudyard Athletics in the most unpredictable, strange year that it was with COVID. Yeah, with a year that you didn't know. I mean, yeah. uh, how, how do you, you know, cats uh, off to the coaches that, that coach all these kids. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know how to prepare. Uh, we went into a 10-day COVID pause, and we I think we played two games in 23 days at one stretch. Uh, and, and all the teams had to go through that. You know, the, the volleyball team had to sit there for a few weeks between, uh, you know, one game to the quarterfinal game. And, and that's hard. I mean, and these coaches keep these kids focused. And uh, that, that's, that says a lot about all the coaches in this area I mean it's always hard we get a snow day here or there but man we've never had 10-day COVID pauses and and then you have to pause because of other teams with COVID it was it was tough and uh, that that's where your assistant coaches come through and we came up with practice plans every day to just keep focused and and we worked through it and um, it obviously it worked out in the long run final question for you coach obviously you're losing uh, several seniors including a couple of the players that we'll be talking to in the next segment you made it to your first ever state final. What does the future look like next season and beyond for Rudyard softball? I mean, how can you not be uh, excited about this? I mean, you have you have people like Brooklyn, and you have uh, Carly Mayer and Megan Postma, um, all kids that just. I mean, there was there were several kids that contributed in that game that were that were younger kids. We had a couple JV kids up with us that got a taste of you know what it's like to be at MSU and and what it's like to to play on that field and warm up on that field and. Uh, I have no doubt that uh, that we're going to be solid again, and uh, and you know it, it really breaks down to how much work. This doesn't just happen in starting in March. This this happens at seven, eight, nine years old with with people like Morgan's dad and Paige's dad and Brooklyn's dad sitting on a bucket and and just <laughs> catching hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pitches a week, and uh, probably having some some very candid conversations about where some of those pitches are. And I mean that, that <laughs> I've heard some of those. That really uh, that's where it starts, and and anybody who's interested in this sport and, and wants to, they know that uh, you have to start at that young age to develop into pitchers like these three girls. And I mean, they're top notch and, and Brooklyn will be our, our main thrower next year. And uh, we have uh, Claire Kakuski and a couple of the younger kids that will um, step in there and throw strikes. And uh, I think our defense will be solid and we're going to come out and just rip the ball. And, and that's how you stay in games. Steve Davis joining us on the game, head coach of the Rudyard Bulldog softball program. Coach, appreciate you coming on the game and uh, certainly looking forward to next year. And we're not going to stop after our next break. We'll talk with a few of their players. So, Coach, thanks for joining us on the game. Thanks, Scott. All right, we're going to take a break. We come back, we're going to talk to three of the star players of the Rudyard Bulldog softball team, all coming up on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, ESPN 1400. The last tractor you'll ever need is here. Get into a Massey Ferguson compact or utility tractor and accomplish more than ever before. These versatile tractors are known for their unbeatable power, smart fuel economy, and upgraded creature comforts. And with their ability to multitask through any job around the yard or farm, they'll provide you with outstanding value for years to come. Do all you need to do and more with Massey Ferguson compact and utility tractors. Visit Skinners of Pigford to find the right model for your operation. 
Done being stuck in the house? Ready for some summer fun on the water? Stop by Central Savings Bank for that boat or jet ski loan. Don't want to be on the water? That's okay. Come see a lender about a camper or maybe a home equity for that cabin in the woods or a side-by-side or ATV. Remember, you can always apply online at centralsavingsbank.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Equal Housing Lender, member FDIC. Whatever you're up to this summer, Central Savings Bank has the loan product to help get it done. Whether it's buying a boat, side-by-side, camper or cabin, tractor, a new house, or a ticket out of here, we can help. Call, stop by, or apply online at centralsavingsbank.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. Central Savings Bank, that's what we can do for you. Let's get back to the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. Let's get back to the game on ESPN 1400. Welcome back to the game on ESPN 1400. Scott Nason with you, and we are now joined by three of the players from the state final. Rudyard Bulldogs softball team, Morgan Bickle, Paige Postma, and Brooklyn Bestiman all joining us on the game. Ladies, thanks for coming in and joining us. Thanks for having having us. us. Morgan, we're going to start with you. Uh, Just the first question I have for you is just kind of a generic question as far as how long have you been playing softball? At what age did you start and how the heck did you get so good? (laughs) I guess that's my second question. Um, I started around six or seven with t-ball and then eventually went into little league. But I think in fourth grade, I started being the manager for the Richard um, varsity softball. And that really showed me what varsity softball is all about. But no, I've been pitching since probably six or seven. Dad sitting on a bucket, yep. going to pitching coaches all around Michigan. And just, yeah, it's been a, an interesting uh, pitching season, at least with my dad and sitting on a bucket. Yeah, all three of you are pitchers. Uh, Paige Postma will ask you the same question as far as, you know, just how long you've been playing softball and uh, just in general. Um, same as Morgs. Uh, we started pitching around the same time. Um, my dad didn't sit on a bucket, though. He just got balls off the shins. <laughs> he had so many bruises that I can remember. <laughs> um, yeah, we, I just grown up pitching and Morgan, um, me and Morgan have been pitching since we were little, little, um, Brookie too. So it's been fun. <laughs> it has been fun. Uh, Brooklyn Bestman also joining us. Brooklyn, I'll ask you the same question. At what point did you get involved with softball and just give us uh, your path to the varsity program? I started around the same age as them. We all started pitching at the same time and then just going to the field whenever I could with my dad, pitching to him, started playing travel ball as soon as I could, little league, all the stuff, become a manager and all that stuff. Morgan, uh, you were named Straits Area Conference Player of the Year. Uh, obviously, you know, tremendous statistics. I think you hit, what, 600-something? I don't even know how that's even possible. But just talk about just the playoff run, uh, starting with the quarterfinal you had about a week ago. It seems like it was a lot longer ago. Mm-hmm. Playing that game at home, having your fans there, that had to be a pretty cool experience for you. It was an amazing experience, especially because most teams can't say that, you know, they play the quarterfinal game um, at their own home field. But no, just going up on that mound and just looking around and seeing all the fans, all the orange and black and just being on your home, your home field. It, uh, it's amazing, really. 
And Paige, I'll ask you the same question, you know, having that game at home, uh, like Morgan said, not many teams get to experience that. Certainly, I don't think Rudyard has in softball ever. That'd be a lot of fun. And to win the game, that helped too. Yeah, it was a surreal experience. Um, It was really cool to just look out and see a whole bunch of our teammates, like, old teammates um that we get to play we got to play with as uh, freshmen and sophomores out there and cheering us on that was really fun and then to win that game where I've seen so many seniors um end their season at that quarterfinal game was just super I'm gonna say relief because I did not want to end my season there Brooklyn, same question, you know, going into that game, you know, Roger had been to the quarterfinals a couple times. I think you might've been on one of those teams to get that win, to get it at home. How did that feel? It felt nice having it be in front of like all our fans, all our friends, all our family, everything at home. Joining us on the game, Morgan Bickle, Paige Postma, and Brooklyn Bestman, uh, the Rudyard Bulldogs this weekend as we talked with their head coach, Steve Davis, going down to the Division Four semifinal. And let's start with that game. And Morgan, I'll go back to you. You know, didn't get off to the greatest start. You're down 7-1, but you guys really never, I think, doubted that you could come back. Uh, Certainly talking to your coach and listening to that game, I mean, Paige hits a big three-run homer, and then you hit the game-winning homer. How did that feel? You knew you were going to get that pitch, according to uh, media reports, and you knew you were going to nail it. But just go back to that game, walk us through it, and how did it feel to hit that game-winning home run? So as when we began, you know, they got up um, a little bit at the beginning and, you know, we, we didn't give up. And then Paige hit that three run home run and that just gave us like, oh, my gosh, you know, we knew that we could do it. But that just gave us like we can really do this. Um, and then everyone started hitting after that. And then when I went up to the plate, I was just looking for a solid contact, you know. So, you know, if they may have caught it, if it was a line drive, so be it. I, I was just looking for something solid and then off the barrel. And then I saw that pitch coming and then it went over. And then I can't describe the feeling that knowing that we just won that game. And There's no words. Yes, exactly. Paige, uh, like Morgan said, that three-run homer in the bottom of the fifth really uh, propelled you guys to get in position to tie the game and win. Uh, go back to that at-bat and just the game overall. How was that experience? Um, it was insane. It was super <laughs> fun. Um, I knew I had to get something started for our team. Um, I was, again, not ready to end my season there. Um, And I just knew I had to get something started for Morgan and the rest of my team because, again, I was not ready to end my season. So... And Brooklyn, just walk us through your experience in that game. I think you're playing first base that game. And, uh, you know, certainly down 7-1 at any point where you were you down and thinking, well, you know, we're happy to be here, but it's just not our day. Or were you guys pretty confident that you could come back? I was a little nervous, but then, like, at that point, there's no going back. At that point, you have to react, and Paige reacted, and she brought all of our energy up, and then we all started hitting, and we started hitting gap shots instead of hitting it to them to where they were just making the plays, and then that just helped us, and then Morgan come up and hit her walk-off. Morgan, uh, going to the final game, obviously you wanted to win, but you you took on a really tough team and a really tough pitcher. Uh, Just uh, overall, that game... Again, not what you wanted, but, you know, heck of an accomplishment getting to a state final. No EUP school, I think, has even been to a semifinal in softball, let alone a final. So just your thoughts on the championship game. Um, going in, we knew that was they were going to be an extremely tough team. 
Um, but I'm happy. I, I mean, you know, we are, we wish that we could have gone further, but they were a great team. Their pitcher was phenomenal. She could spin her pitches. She could, um, she hit her spots very well. She was a great pitcher. And then their defense didn't make any mistakes. Um, we didn't hit as well as we wish we would have, but that's just part of the game. So. Paige, same question to you. Uh, obviously, you wanted to win, but certainly you faced a tough team. Your thoughts on the championship game? Um, I think a lot of us were super happy to be there, knowing that we made it as far as we could go. Uh, we set this goal to make it to the championship game when we were six or seven years old, yeah. when first started. Um, and to get there was just so fun. And of course, we wanted to um, win it all, but we hadn't seen the speed and the spins that that pitcher was supplying. and we weren't ready for that. So. Brooklyn, you're the only one of these three that can get back to that game as Morgan and Paige are seniors. Just overall, the experience of being the final game and just how that game went. The experience helps a lot with going into next year. We are going to need a lot of players to step up within losing seven seniors. That started a overall. And then so the experience helps having the younger ones up with us. And then the bats just couldn't get going. But, I mean, it's a great experience getting there. And a great season it was. Morgan Bickle, Paige Postman, and Brooklyn Besteman joining us on the game from the Red Yard softball team. A couple more questions for each, Morgan, first starting with you. I guess I'll ask all you girls this because you all have dads that were coaches. And just having a father as a coach. How was that experience at Rudyard? Um, it was, it was interesting. I mean, it was fine, but I remember, you know, when I'm pitching and, you know, I didn't pitch it the, where the spot I wanted it and I could just see my dad's face, <laughs> you know, and just, it was fine. It was great actually. But, you know, some of those car rides home were, uh, interesting to say the least. Paige, same question. Um, yeah, car rides home after a tough loss. Those aren't so fun, but um, it was great. It was a great time to get closer together. It was a great bonding experience. It really brought, because my sister is a catcher on the team, and it really brought the three of us together, and it was super fun, and we got to spend a lot of time together. So. And, and Brooklyn, uh, same question to you. Uh, your father as a coach, how was that experience? And you get to do it next year, so be careful on your answer. <laughs> Good bonding experience, like to and from the games. I mean, uh, after a tough loss on the way back, a little frustrating sometimes. Other than that, good bonding time. Great to hear. Morgan, uh, you are graduating. You have graduated, I sh should say, Rudyard. What are your future plans as far as softball, uh, academics, or just in general? What, what's what's up for Morgan Bickle in the future? So uh, next this upcoming fall, I'll be going to Saginaw Valley for nursing. Um, I'm going to get my bachelor's degree. Um, Softball-wise, um, may play some intramurals maybe some clubs. I'm just looking to have some fun with softball, softball, not anything serious. Absolutely. Uh, Paige Postma, same question. What's the future look like for you as far as a potential softball or just in general? Um, I plan to going to Delta this fall. Um, I'm going to play some softball for them and I plan on studying cardiac sonography there. Very good. Uh, Brooklyn, you are coming back as a senior and I have to say, I know you were part of that basketball team that made it to the quarterfinals. Just overall, this will be the final question to all of you. Just the success that Rudyard had in all athletics, uh, Brooklyn, you on a couple teams. I don't know if you volleyball, mm -hmm. three teams that made yeah. quarterfinals and state finals. That's just a tremendous accomplishment for any school. Going into three quarterfinal games as a junior is amazing. And I'm looking to get back into quarterfinals at least even farther in all those sports again next year. 
Final question for you, Morgan, uh, for any girls that might be listening in Rudyard uh, that are interested in, you know, possibly getting to the point where you all did, you know, making it to the state finals and potentially winning it. What's the best advice you get a, a youngster, you know, somebody maybe in the elementary school grades that is looking to play softball? What are some tips that you can give them to be as successful as you and your team were this year? I would say keep going. Um, there are some times, you know, when you start off young and you're hitting or you're fielding or you're pitching and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, can I just take the whole month off and not do anything? But, you know, you got to get past that and you just keep practicing and practicing and it pays off in the end. Paige, you can't take that exact same answer, but I'm going to ask you the same question uh, for, a, for a youngster or anybody interested in softball in general, maybe at a lower level. What's the best uh, tips that you can give them? Um, keep grinding. It, it all pays off and you can learn so much from sports, not just, um, how to field a grounder, but some life lessons too. There are so many different life lessons you can learn through sports, not just softball. Um, and play every game like it could be your last because you could get injured or COVID could take your season. It is just play every game with that drive to win. Brooklyn, final question. I'll ask you the same question. Any youngsters listening out there that are interested in, in, you know, being a part of a varsity program in the future, what's the best advice you can give them as far as how they can get there and be successful? I would say keep pushing through practicing whenever you can. My biggest thing was I played a lot of travel ball within the summer, was gone almost every weekend playing in some tournament somewhere across Michigan, and that helps a lot. The more games you get, the better you can get. And watching just other games, seeing how other people do stuff, seeing what you can do to get yourself to be better. Well, ladies, it's it's been a pleasure to have you in the studio. Uh, normally, I'm behind the plate with a mask, and we can't have these conversations. But congratulations just on a tremendous accomplishment. You had the whole Upper Peninsula and pretty much Northern Michigan rooting for you. And just a, a very successful season. Morgan Bickle, Paige Postman, Brooklyn Bestman joining us on the game. Morgan and Paige, best of luck in your uh, future endeavors in Brooklyn. We'll see you next year on the court and on the field. Thanks for joining us all on the game. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to talk to David McKeg Jr., host of the Game Sports Show in Sioux, Ontario, all coming up on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, ESPN 1400. Welcome back to The Game on ESPN 1400. You can also hear our show live online at 1400ESPN.net. You can also find the podcast of the game on thegamesportshow.com and thegamesportshow.podbean.com. Scott Nason with you on this Monday night. Very busy show so far. And joining us now, co-host of the game here on ESPN 1400 and host of the Game Sports Show in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, David McKay Jr. Joining us once again this week. Dave, how are you doing on this Monday night, sir? Scotty, I'm doing well, and it's always better when I get to hear your voice. So how are you, my friend? I'm doing wonderful, Dave. I appreciate that. appreciate you joining us on the show. Uh, Dave, we've talked a little bit already about some of the sports going on locally here in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, as, well, believe it or not, we're 21 days into June. Summer is flying by as Little League soccer, baseball, softball, and some other sports are going on here in the Eastern Upper Peninsula, and I know things are a little bit different in Sioux, Ontario, as far as local sports. So just give our listeners an update as far as uh, what, what are some of the things, if anything, going on right now as far as local sports. 
So here in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, obviously the offseason for the Thunderbirds has been quite busy. So if you're looking at Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, of course, uh, the Thunderbirds did acquire Cole De La Rosa Bell from the Express. They've made a lot of movement. They have the new management in place, new coach, and the Thunderbirds are certainly uh, kind of recuperating the nest, if you will, kind of pun intended with that. And, of course, uh, here in the Algoma region, we follow the Thunderbirds, Beavers. And we consider, of course, the Eagles a crossover part of the Algoma region, even though they are in the United States. So I want to give it a Listeners kind of that are tuned in with that, a little bit of an update with that as the NOJHL is prepared to have a season this upcoming year of its normality, which would be very exciting because as we go back to normal with all the vaccine numbers that are going really high here in Canada with the first doses and also second doses, but even in Algoma, thumbs up to everybody uh, with that for the percentages, well over 70% having first dose and almost 30% or so having a second dose, and those numbers just as of a couple days ago, so it's probably even higher now. So I want to give that out there, but but Scott, uh, myself and Connor Henderson had an absolutely amazing baseball upload uh, just yesterday, of course, the Father's Day edition. I want to say happy Father's Day to you and belated Father's Day to everybody else, of course. But we had an upload there yesterday. And besides me ranting about the Toronto Blue Jays bullpen issues... <laughs> And how much injuries are really affecting my mindset of baseball as in quote-unquote leg fatigue, how that is an injury in terms of baseball. Nonetheless, sliding over from that, we did talk about local baseball in the Algoma region and here in Sault Ste. Marie in particular that is starting up. You can go to SiouxBall.com for those of you in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. If you're looking at getting registered for Nine U Black Sox, 11, 13, 15, or 18 under Black Sox. You have the opportunity to do that. Sign up, go out to their camp and get a chance uh, to play for them. If not, be involved with playing in the SNBA all around together. They can go to their SuBall.com and sign up. The fees are down by 40% this year uh, because of COVID-19. So that is exciting. And, of course, the league that I want to give a special love tier to is the 18-plus in the open. And, of course, the game sports show Renegades are going to be back on the diamond. Yours truly playing third base and also pitching, which people are going to fall out of their chairs for when they hear that. But, nonetheless, it is exciting that baseball is back. There are obviously restrictions that they're building up, but they do have a kind of a strict schedule plan. It's going to be kind of tight, but especially in the open league where they have two games a week opposed to one, they're going to try to fit the six weeks and try to fit two games a week in there. They're going to try to get everything done with the minor league baseball as well. A lot more details kind of get ironed out as we get the registrations, but if you are looking for your child or children to get signed up, please go to SuBall.com or check them out on Facebook, Sioux Minor Baseball Association. If you're also at that adult age that I mentioned, 18 and over, and you've played slow pitch or you're even beginner, intermediate, advanced, played baseball, looking to get out, whatever it may be, sign up. Because yes, if you don't have friends that want to play, there is a draft that you get placed on a team and it is so much fun uh, to be involved in that and have a two or three hours of your Tuesday and or Thursday night, you know, being and getting active, especially since COVID restrictions have lifted and we're gearing away from that and people should be getting outdoors and enjoying the outdoors, especially in the summer that is always such short-lived. So SuBall.com, sign up. Maybe you have the chance to face me while I'm pitching and see if you don't strike out. Good luck on not striking out with me pitching to you.
That's certainly something I want to see, if not uh, in person for a while, certainly video, Dave. You'll have to certainly send me some clips of that. Very interested to see that. And really good news at the Sioux Black Sox program. I know Mike LaBelle, along with uh, several other uh, volunteers of that program, do a great job with that. Uh, In normal times, they would come across and play some of our high school baseball teams. Obviously, that didn't happen this year, so very good news there. Dave, uh, real quick, uh, the border uh, closure extension into July, but you mentioned the vaccine rates uh, going up as far as in Canada. I know Premier Justin Trudeau, that's one of his big things as far as if the border does reopen. And why we bring that up on a sports show is, of course, talking about the Thunderbirds and the Sioux Greyhounds. Obviously, there are American teams, including the one we cover, the Sioux Eagles, who are hopeful to be part of the NOJHL uh, come fall. I'm more optimistic maybe than I was a few weeks ago as far as the border being open to allow that to happen. Uh, What are your thoughts as far as that? Are we going to see a normal OHL and NOJHL season with all teams next year? You know, that's a very good question. As I was just saying, you know, and I track it obviously with the numbers just of interest, but also with my profession outside of doing uh, the show and the business here, Scotty, is, you know, keeping track of those numbers. And there's 90, uh, 91,757 residents that they would uh, consider through the Algoma residents and 74,000 have received their first dose, uh, and fully vaccinated 17,000. Um, and you know that that is that, that's the percentages that I was alluding to a little bit earlier, and those numbers are climbing, and those do take an effect when it comes to the border traveling. However, of course, when it comes to traveling, people can come from southern Ontario. That means they can cut over the border from the Sioux. So it all depends on what everyone does in Ontario and in Canada. So unfortunately, if you are how good Algoma is doing, it does not matter. Everyone has to do it together. So I stress right. that work to have everyone get their vaccinations. People that don't want to get their vaccines, you know, that is their own choice, but it is certainly important that we do so it helps contain the spread. It helps obviously move this vaccine aside so we can get back to normality. And let me tell you something. I tell you some people that I know that work at government levels and also people that live in particular countries out of here that you will need to have full vaccination if you want to enter their country, okay? I'm already hearing some issues with the states. They might not let people in concert because of the full vaccination. So if you want to be a part of the normal living, they can't make you get it, but, you know, there could be some issues where, of course, you know, you might uh, that they might have those in place because they want to help contain that spread. But to answer your question, Scott, with making the big loop around there, I am, of course, hearing that the border extension may happen again. I don't think the bridge opens this summer. I'd be very surprised because of how fresh everything is. I think after Labor Day weekend, I think that's a very reasonable time to say the border will open, vaccination numbers will be up higher, and the spread will be even contained a bit better. And that means, of course, with that being the case, if there's no quarantine required, with the border being open, of course, that means by September – we should be seeing an OJHL season and local hockey, local sports, and, and like I mentioned four times in previous sentences, normality occurring. So optimism, I'd be very surprised if the border was, was open in July. Like I said, it will be open after Labor Day is my bold opinion, and I think that answers your question, Scotty, and of course the listeners. Will there be NOJHL hockey? Yes, there will be, and it will be a normal schedule. I can confidently say now where I wasn't as confident 30 days ago. 
Yeah, I'm in the same boat, Dave, and certainly we'll be covering Sioux Eagles hockey wherever they play this season on ESPN at 1400. Dave McKegg joining us on the game, and Kegger, let's finish up with the NHL. Now, we're recording this interview before Game 4 in Montreal between Vegas and Montreal. Uh, game 5 tonight between Tampa Bay and the New York Islanders. That series tied at 2. What a game the other night. What a play at the end uh, by uh, the defenseman there for the Islanders blocking a shot that could have tied that game. Your thoughts overall on the NHL playoffs? I mean, this has been a, a fantastic playoff season. I know uh, still hurting uh, on your side there with the Toronto Maple Leafs, but Montreal certainly proving that they belong where they are, and that Islanders Lightning series, that's just been a fun one to watch. Both have, really. Oh, they have. You know what? Each round that Montreal, when it went to Winnipeg and Vegas, I doubted them each time. Uh, you know, and Montreal is is showing that the perseverance, the will to win, and strong goaltending is is essential, and is an essential formula to be successful in the playoffs. And Montreal, they're showing that the North Division was not a joke. Everyone said the North Division was a joke. And guess what? Montreal is battling with Vegas. They're in a good position against Vegas. And guess what? They're making the North Division look great. And it does, if they do succeed and move on to the Cup Finals, does that mean Toronto would have? If they win the Cup, does that mean Toronto would have? There's always that what if. But you know what? Montreal is built for playoff hockey. Toronto obviously isn't. So my answer to that question people ask is no. I don't think Toronto would go as far as Montreal did. Toronto is a better team on paper, but on the ice, chemistry and will to win will beat talent any day. You hear that in every yep. Disney fairy tale story, and it is showing right now. Price has been unbelievable in between the pipes. And he is obviously the main focal heartbeat point of that team. It's obvious. Without Price, I don't think they would be this far. But I, they can say that about Matthews in Toronto. They can say that about uh, about Kucherov, Stamkos on Tampa, sort of, because they're very deep. But all that aside, the playoffs, Scotty, have been fantastic and entertaining. I will, be, go ahead. No, I, as I said, I will say thumbs up all around despite my pain from not seeing Toronto succeed or go past the first round yet again. I'd love to see a Montreal Islanders final, but we'll just have to wait and see. We will know by next week's edition of the game. Dave, before we let you go, uh, what's in store for the game sports show in Sioux, Ontario over the next week? Certainly. Now, that's a every Leaf fan's nightmare, by the way, the Islanders in Montreal five. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> oh, the Islanders, oh, my God. Goodness, but uh, the, the social media will be booming off that. But here in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada, of course, we had our, our Strike Zone edition, as I mentioned earlier, with Connor and myself. We have our ESPN edition that will be uploaded on through our platforms. But we also plan to have a Top Shelf edition this week as well. And we will be getting into an end one edition soon, Scott, as we proceed to the next round of the playoffs. For special edition uploads this week, we will have another upload this week. Our recent uploads with Steve Passmore hilarious addition and it was also had some serious points there as well as he was diagnosed with heavy metal poisoning uh so that he dealt with a lot in his career so definitely make sure you check out the interview this upcoming week we will have dan lack tours uh interview being uploaded uh for this week's special edition upload so lots going on here in sioux ontario we expect about three more shows of uploads this week uh, at least three maybe four so make sure you check out all of our platforms for that, and I cannot wait to be in the studio with you, Scott, 
You know, I love the studio here that I get to record with you and be inside our office, but there's nothing better than having that face-to-face and that eye-to-eye contact with you when I get ranting about sports, Scotty. Looking forward to it indeed. David McKay Jr. joining us on the game. Dave, have a great week, and we will talk to you next Monday night right here on ESPN 1400 for our next edition of the game. Sounds good, and thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Make sure you hit like, follow, and subscribe on all the Game Sports Show platforms. All right, we're going to take our top-of-the-hour break. When we come back, we'll be joined by co-host Butch Davis from Butch on Sports, all coming up on Hour 2 of the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, ESPN 1400. Let's get to the second half of the game here on ESPN 1400. WKNW, Sioux St. Marie's sports leader. It's the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. Now, here's Scott Nason. And welcome back to the game on ESPN 1400. You can hear our show live online at 1400ESPN.net. You can also hear the podcast of the show at thegamesportshow.podbean.com. Scott Nason with you on this Monday night in what's been a very busy first hour. And we are now joined in hour two and for the rest of the show by co-host of the game and host of Butch on Sports, Butch Davis, joining us from Metro Detroit. You can find his show, Butch on Sports, on his website, Simply Butch 2. That's T-O-O dot Podomatic dot com. You can also find Butch on Sports on our website, thegamesportshow.podbean.com. Brand new edition from Sunday night. Butch, how you doing on this Monday night, sir? Doing fine, Scott. How yourself? I'm doing wonderful, Butch. And uh, the reason we got you on a little later is because we had to talk about Rudyard Bulldogs softball in the MHSAA state final for the first time ever on Saturday. And, well, the sports season was finally completed in high school sports, not just for high school softball, but baseball, lacrosse, and soccer. And certainly a very interesting and unique season, Butch, but... We got all the championships in, which at the beginning of the year, I didn't think was even going to be possible. Well, you know, happy, happy for those kids out there. They got a full summer to think about it and then some there. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Butch, let's start with the Detroit Tigers. Uh, They swept Kansas City on the road this past week and then went out to Anaheim, losing the first three games, and they would win on Sunday 5-3 to in 10 innings. Tigers now 30-42, and last in the AL Central, opening up an interleague set against St. Louis Tuesday night at Comerica Park and then taking on Houston for a four-game set. Inconsistencies with the Tigers, Butch, continue. They look great in KC, and, well, they won yesterday, but they kind of stunk up the joint in Anaheim. Yeah, inconsistencies and injuries and changes and a whole lot of other stuff that will go, probably will continue to the, out the end of the season now. Yes, they did uh, have an over 500 mark for the road for for all the particular, uh, particularly Kansas City, but, oh, you're uh, yawning talking the Tigers, yeah, Butch. Yeah, you're yawning everything <laughs> out there. But, <laughs> but anyway, they they should be – you're going to see a lot more than what we saw there. You know, I'm, you know, we talk about Riley Green and Torkelson getting moved up to uh, double-A there, Erie there from uh, Western Michigan. Uh, we got to see a lot more of, of those young kids. And if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, and my belief right now is they are doing it there. Uh, we should see those younger kids just a little bit after uh, 
maybe uh, maybe the end of August, July or the beginning of August, we should see uh, some some new faces there. Uh, this season won't be complete unless the Tigers get at least five hundred. Okay, right now it doesn't look so good. No, it doesn't, Butch. And one of the things that happened last week in one of the Tigers games, Butch, uh, pitcher Casey Mize uh, had a little bit of a glove controversy as far as umpire uh, umpires looking for some sticky substances, if you will. And, and that's starting tonight as far as Major League Baseball. Uh, teams were warned last week that the league's crackdown on sticky substances on baseball will start tonight. Umpires will inspect starting pitchers at least twice a game, relievers at the end of their first inning or when they get removed from the game, and closers when they come into the game. Any player in possession of or has applied sticky substances will be ejected immediately and subjected to a suspension. Uh, Kind of a curious timing period, Butch, in my opinion, as far as Major League Baseball starting this now. Uh, What are your thoughts? Yeah, sue Fred Belichnikoff or somebody. Yeah, <laughs> you know they're picking on those pitchers there like they are. But yes, a lot of those pitchers have used some type of substance or something. Uh, uh, big claims is to grip the ball there, and there is no secret that some of the pitchers have been using it there, uh, spraying their gloves, or spraying their inside their hats. Certain parts of the uniform has something on it there, so. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how many pitchers have to change their way of doing business in order to, uh, I mean, to play. You know, you know, Major League Baseball been doing this for quite some time there, and for them to just to break down on it this year, uh, or at the time they're breaking down on it, you know, it's quite uh, incidental there because again, a lot of pitchers have going to have to change their way of doing business or maybe change how they grip the ball or something of that nature there. So hopefully there's no injuries in the in the deal, but hopefully the Tigers or anybody get caught uh with the with the substance on their uh, their personal there to kinda enhance the game a lot better. Butch, let's move on to the Detroit Pistons. Tomorrow night we will find out if Lady Luck is finally on the Pistons side as they have the second best shot at landing, landing rather, the number one pick. And we did get some news this past week that Sadiq Bey was named to the all-rookie first team and Isaiah Stewart to the second team from the Detroit Pistons. It's the first time two Pistons made the team since Andre Drummond and Kyle Singler were both second team selections in 2013. And Bay is the first Pistons rookie to receive first team honors since Brandon Knight in 2012. Certainly Sadiq Bay, one of the few bright spots for the Pistons along with Isaiah Stewart. We might have lost Butch there for a moment as the Detroit Pistons will find out tomorrow in the NBA draft lottery, which will take place, I believe, at halftime of the Western Conference Finals between the Phoenix Suns and the L.A. Clippers. Butch, we got you back. Uh, Your thoughts on Bay and Stewart being named to the all-rookie team? Uh, Oh, boy. It is kind of... You know, the stats I looked at for Bay is not too cool, but again... For what he did, and his biggest notoriety is hitting the three-point shot there. It's pretty good there. Uh, NBA noticed it, and uh, they noticed also Stewart as well as being uh, uh, quite characters in the NBA that uh, 
maybe some teams are looking at to uh, to kind of move their 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 bases up a lot bigger there. But uh, it, it was okay there. You know, it, it's good to see. Hopefully, uh, the Pistons don't get stuck up in um in the draft or whatever may be upcoming there, and uh, get another piece of injury uh, damage injuries there, where basically they can't do anything about it. Yeah, the Pistons have a decent shot, Butch, at that number one pick. Uh, By all indications, Cade Cunningham uh, will likely be the number one pick. You also have Eben Modley in there, along with Jalen Greens and Jalen Suggs. We haven't seen a whole lot of lottery luck for our Detroit teams as of late. Butch, are you you doing anything uh, as far as uh, superstitions or ways to help the Pistons luck tomorrow night? Yeah, go to bed. Which NBA playoffs, we had a couple game sevens over the weekend in the East as the road teams won both games. Uh, Milwaukee needed overtime to knock out Brooklyn 115-111, to advancing to the conference finals. And then last night, Atlanta defeated Philadelphia by the score of 103-96. to Game one of the Eastern finals will be Wednesday in Milwaukee. Uh, Certainly, Butch Brooklyn had injury issues. Uh, Philadelphia did maybe to a lesser extent, but I don't know if both those series were that much of a surprise the way those series ended up. Uh, Your thoughts on Atlanta and Milwaukee in the Eastern Final? Both were surprises. Believe me, uh, the the way the uh, forecasters are thinking right now, they say the Nets and uh, you gotta give to Kevin Durant though. He he played his rear end. Sure did. All, All the all through that whole particular there, that fiasco there for uh, the Nets there. But again, the Nets are going to do some hard thinking of how they uh, get the team. Uh, Bruce Brown got a lot of notoriety during those last two games with the Nets there of uh, him coming in there doing another piston that basically we had and we don't have many more. Uh, <laughs> you, 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 you sit there and you drop your head and say, you know, we had them at one point in time and we don't. But, uh, again, the series is going to be pretty enlightening. I know Milwaukee is a, is a big surprise, but, again, it, it shouldn't be a big surprise. They are a doggone good team when they are healthy, and uh, they just did a better job. Uh, Simmons was a big surprise in the whole particular series. <clears throat> So was uh, Tobias Jones and some other uh, – Curry was another one that they didn't show up that last game, and everything they threw up, it just didn't drop. So, again, Philadelphia's going to change their way of doing business there, but congratulations to Milwaukee. Let's see how far they go when it comes down to uh, playoff ratifications against Atlanta, who, again – uh, showed everybody who, who who they were and whatnot there with their young talent there. And they also, it should be noted, that they changed their coaches in the middle of the season yeah. to bring on Nate McMillan, and they made the playoffs. They were way out of it, and they came back and did something with their season there. So 
hip hop parade for Atlanta there with what they're doing there. And of course the other series, of course, um the Clippers and the Suns, that's gonna be a bar burner as well then because two two of the notable names are not playing as of this time yet there. I'm glad you mentioned that, Butch. Uh speaking of players that aren't playing as the NBA playoffs have had many of their stars get injured, including LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Joel Embiid, Luka Donich, Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, Jalen Brown, and Trey Young all have had or have injuries. And LeBron James last week uh, was very critical of the NBA, uh, venting on Twitter. Uh, they all didn't want to listen about the start of the season. I only want to protect the well-being of the players. These injuries aren't part of the game. It's the lack of pure rim rest before starting back up. But my question to you, Butch, is does LeBron have a valid point there? He doesn't have one at all. His team was a loser. Suck it up. Go home, play with your wife and kids. Get yourself together for next year there. They all knew what the deal was when the uh, last season ended, uh, and they preferred to do what they did and not get the rest, the proper rest they need in order to, uh, <coughs> excuse me, to face facts with the, uh, with the, the inevitable that they were going to get more games added on this year. It wasn't the 82 games there, but again, a lot of those uh, players were not ready, okay? And and injuries do come about when you're not ready there. So I think it's going to be a push, especially with a lot of teams now, that the players get what they need to, to be in shape when they come into camp. And hopefully a lot more teams are stricter about that when it comes down to that final uh, pick in order to go into the, uh, the, the inaugural season, uh, 2021-22. Butch, final thought on the NBA pl- uh, playoffs. You, you mentioned Ben Simmons for Philadelphia. Lots of talk about him today, obviously not having a good performance. He only took four shots, if you can believe that, in Game 7. He shot 33% uh, in the series from the foul line, and Shaquille O'Neal said if he was in my locker room, I would have knocked his insert word here out uh ben simmons experience in philadelphia certainly has a big contract that they have to deal with uh this guy just isn't panning out to be the player that many people thought he would be they panned out what they got they got what they got okay this is a kid that came over from australia went to lsu played half the season and before he decided he wasn't going to play no more for lsu they're going to sit out and wait for the draft his main cause was to get ready for the draft. Now, here's the deal. Ben Simmons has not had that training process of pros working with him on the offseason there. If you can remember the first season there, he was injured for the rest of the, for the whole season. So now you got to come back to the next season, which was the second season, to kind of catch up. Caught a lot of people by surprise, but in this particular season upcoming uh, or just past, uh, he wasn't up to snuff. He needs a lot of work to be done with a shot selection. He needs a lot of uh, work to uh, get himself together on the foul line, which is unexcusable. And that's up to the teams that drafted him to get those particular people ready. And right now, Philadelphia failed in doing that there. So they need to take some blame for uh, Ben Simmons' uh, decline as well there. Ben Simmons is going to either have to work. I don't think they're going to get rid of him because what team will, will want him yeah. in, in, this, in this current state? 
knowing that they got to make changes with Ben Simmons in order for him to be a lot more effective player. You know, and then his salary, he got four more years on his contract. Uh, that's very hard to, to gather. So Philadelphia needs to take the investment over the summer to help Ben Simmons get used to NBA basketball, using his right hand as well as his left hand, which he primarily uses. He's after decimates. So basically, uh, that is a hard nut to swallow when it comes down to taking shot selections and being courageous and confident when he do it there. And I don't think he's very confident with that right now. No NBA playoffs tonight. Game two in Phoenix tomorrow night between the Clippers and the Suns. Phoenix leads that series 1-0. And then game one of the Eastern Finals on Wednesday, 8.30 in Milwaukee between the Bucks and the Atlanta Hawks. Boys, we're going to take a break. When you and I come back, we will talk NHL hockey, look at some Detroit Red Wings updates, and more. All coming up on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, ESPN 1400. The last tractor you'll ever need is here. Get into a Massey Ferguson compact or utility tractor and accomplish more than ever before. These versatile tractors are known for their unbeatable power, smart fuel economy, and upgraded creature comforts. And with their ability to multitask through any job around the yard or farm, they'll provide you with outstanding value for years to come. Do all you need to do and more with Massey Ferguson compact and utility tractors. Visit Skinners of Pigford to find the right model for your operation. Done being stuck in the house? Ready for some summer fun on the water? Stop by Central Savings Bank for that boat or jet ski loan. Don't want to be on the water? That's okay. Come see a lender about a camper or maybe a home equity for that cabin in the woods or a side-by-side or ATV. Remember, you can always apply online at centralsavingsbank.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Equal Housing Lender, member FDIC. Ask what we can do for you. Whatever you're up to this summer, Central Savings Bank has the loan product to help get it done. Whether it's buying a boat, side-by-side, camper or cabin, tractor, a new house, or a ticket out of here, we can help. Call, stop by, or apply online at centralsavingsbank.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. Central Savings Bank, ask what we can do for you. It's 2021 and Green Metals in Dafter, your honest main source, one-stop metal recycling business serving Northern Michigan, hopes everyone has a prosperous year. If you need a few extra dollars to help with your heating bills or that trip you may want to take to the warm state of Hawaii, bring Reed Metals your unwanted scrap metals and they'll print you a check. Reed Metals is paying top dollar for whole scrap vehicles. They also buy heavy equipment, catalytic converters, radiators, batteries, rims, and motors. Reed Metals will give you an honest price without surprise fees or deductions at the scale. Bring in copper, brass, lead, tin, cast, aluminum, steel, and many more types of recyclable metals, and they'll print you a check with your name on it. Reed Metals is your honest, one-stop metal recycling business. They also offer roll-off dumpster service. Reed Metals is open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Visit ReedMetals.com or call 906-632-0018. Bring it in or have it hauled, and Reed Metals will print you a check with your name on it. Reed Metals, 10 miles south of the Sioux on Mackinac Trail. Let's get back to the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. Let's get back to the game on ESPN 1400. Welcome back to the game on 
ESPN 1400. Scott Nason with you as we continue to be joined by Butch Davis, co-host of the game and host of Butch on Sports from Metro Detroit. Butch, let's move on to the NHL and the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, The only news that I've received over this past week as far as the Red Wings involves their head coach, Jeff Blaschel, and our 4th of July parade here in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan is uh, Coach Blaschel will be the Grand Marshal of our 4th of July parade uh, coming up, obviously, on the 4th of July. That's the only news I've gotten from the Wings, Butch. Have you heard anything? No, not at all. I didn't even hear about the parade. Though, <laughs> didn't make the papers down there? <laughs> uh, maybe I missed that little one this, is this time around there, but uh, hopefully we can reach out to the Red Wings when he's up there, there and he can give us some ins and outs on the Red Wings in particular there. I know I'll be making a phone call to uh, that public relations system, being that they want to be so funny. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, uh, that would be, um, that was a big surprise. We're hoping to get Coach Blasio, maybe if not in live for a recorded interview coming up here after the fourth. Butch, the NHL playoffs have been very good. Both conference finals are tied at two games apiece. Game five between Tampa Bay and the Islanders will be tonight in Tampa. Game five of Montreal and Vegas will be in Vegas on Tuesday as the Golden Knights knocked off the Canadians in overtime on the road last night by the score of two to one. Boy, these conference finals, Butch, have been close, competitive, and we've seen all sorts of action. Your thoughts on the NHL playoffs? Yeah, they're knocking the slop out of each other, aren't they, But Sure are. I have not seen so much hitting in a game uh, in a very, very long time. In both the series, they're, they're very competitive, uh, a lot of bodies being sprayed all over the ice. A lot of nine calls. Um, we'll hear about that during the off season as well. But a lot of nine calls in those particular games as, uh, concerning those hockey players there. But I'm liking what I'm seeing there. Good goaltending. Uh, <laughs> poor Fury. Uh, I mean, uh, I felt bad for him. But, again, uh, his backup came on in there and did uh, did justice for the uh, Golden Knights there, so that season uh, or that uh, particular um, uh, s- series is tied up again there. So these are good doggone series, and uh, I, you know, I'm very yearning to see the the rest of it here. Yeah, I am too, Butch. And one of the things I've really enjoyed is having crowds back, especially on Long Island. And with Vegas, and even if you don't watch the games or maybe not interested in that, watch the pregame ceremony in Vegas. I mean, that that is insane what they do out there. The production value, the crowd getting into it. Certainly nice having fans back, but boy, they do it right in Vegas, in my opinion, Butch. Circus, circus again. Yep. In the lump sum there. I enjoyed it. Just something that in Chicago Stadium are the two places doing postgame. You can't get enough off there. Butch, moving on to the Detroit Lions, uh, very similar as far as uh, news that I've received this past week from that organization. I did see they have 79 of 80 roster spots locked up, uh, possibly leaving the door open for Todd Gurley if he decides to sign with the Lions. Uh, any Detroit Lions news? We're in the offseason, so it's pretty quiet, but uh, anything that you can share with our listeners? Uh, the Gurley situation is... Uh... I wouldn't see that because if uh, Gurley to come into camp, Gurley and his agent want some money there. Now, Gurley has not earned that money for the last two years, okay, in the NFL. 
So it'll be very hard to go. If they're smart enough, they're going to leave him alone there. Unless, and this is unless he can bring his price down in order to come into camp and then prove that he could be the running back of the past that he was before. Which one of the things that caught my attention this week uh, was from Buffalo Bills wide receiver Cole Beasley in a challenge to the NFL's new COVID-19 training camp and preseason protocols. He tweeted that he'd rather retire than get a vaccine. Uh, he wrote in a post Friday that, hi, Everyone, I'm Cole Beasley and I'm not vaccinated. Public service announcement. I will be doing, I will be outside doing what I do. I'll be out in the public. If you're scared of me, then steer clear or get vaccinated. Point blank period. I may die of COVID, but I'd rather die actually living. Now, this tweet comes on the same week that the NFL sent teams a memo highlighting different protocols for vaccinated and unvaccinated individuals. The league relaxed protocols for players and staff who are fully vaccinated, including the loosening of COVID-19 testing to once every two weeks and lifting the face covering requirement at club facilities or during travel. Finally, vaccinated players and staff who come in close contact with someone who tests positive will not be required to quarantine. Uh, Beasley uh, ended by saying, if I'm forced into retirement, so be it. What are your thoughts on that? You know, it's very hard to gauge on anything when you don't have the majority working up towards something hopefully halfway decent, and that is uh, that you be able to walk around and without a mask and not being in fear that uh, you're going to catch something here. And that doesn't make a lot of people very happy, especially the players who are vaccinated there. I know um, it's a problem. It's a concern. Uh Ask the uh, the sons with Chris Paul, who's right. not vaccinated yet, there versus the players who went on ahead and got vaccinated. Uh, it, it's going to be a problem, and I see that protocol going to be flushed down the toilet and gonna be, maybe be a lot more stricter than it it, it should be because of those uh, particular players who don't want to be vaccinated at all. There, I I, I see that um, that protocol going to be a lot more tougher. Butch, we're going to take another break. When you and I come back, we did have some big news as far as the NCAA from the Supreme Court as well. We have other things to talk about. The Tokyo Olympics, they're going to allow some fans, college football playoff expansion, possibly one step closer to happening. And who knows what else we'll talk about all coming up on the Twin Sues only local, regional and national sports show, The Game, ESPN 1400. At Old Mission Bank, we're ready to make your home ownership dreams a reality. We're excited to announce that we now offer USDA home loans with options for 100% financing. You heard that right, 100% financing for qualifying USDA mortgages. Come see our experienced lenders to discuss your personal options and let us find the right mortgage for your needs, because it's what we do best. Act now to pre-qualify by calling us or apply directly online at OMBLoans.com. We're Old Mission Bank, home of your experienced local mortgage professionals. FDIC insured equal housing lender. Summer, the change of seasons is sure to bring a smile to your face. Don't let your mood sour at the prospect of dealing with that unreliable mower for yet another year. Rely on the experts at Gaylor Thompson Sales and Service. Their highly skilled technicians can help. Gaylor Thompson Sales and Service takes pride in their work, and they know that an ounce of prevention can mean years of reliability down the road. Call them to talk about your service needs or stop in and chat with Paul and the gang today. Gaylor Thompson Sales and Service, just off I-75, exit 373, Rudyard, Michigan. 
Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Madigan Pingator, your independent auto owners agency on West Water Street in the Sioux. You can catch podcasts of the game at thegamesportshow.com. Now let's get back to it with Scott Nason here on ESPN 1400. 7.30 on the game, ESPN of 1400. Scott Mason with you as we continue to be joined by co-host of the game and host of Butch on Sports, Butch Davis from Metro Detroit. If you want to hear our full two-hour edition of the game, you can find it around 8.30 on the website, thegamesportshow.podbean.com. Butch, some big news came in this morning from the United States Supreme Court as the Supreme Court of the United States unanimously affirmed a ruling on Monday that provides for an incremental increase in how college athletes can be compensated and also opens the door for future legal challenges that could deal a much more significant blow to the NCAA's current business model. Justice Neil Gorsuch wrote the court's opinion, which upheld a district court's judge's decision that the NCAA was violating antitrust law by placing limits on the education-related benefits that schools can provide to athletes. The decision allows schools to provide their athletes with unlimited compensation so long as it is some way connected to their education. Gorsuch wrote that the nation's highest court limited the scope of its decision on those education-related benefits rather than delving further into questions about the association's business model. And finally, Justice Brett Kavanaugh published a concurring opinion that takes a harder line, suggesting that the NCAA rules that restrict any type of compensation, including direct payment for athletic accomplishments, might no longer hold up well in future antitrust challenges. This certainly a very big decision, Butch, as far as college athletes and what they're entitled to. Haven't heard a response from the NCAA, but I wanted your thoughts on this ruling. It's not too big of a decision there. Uh, what they're talking about, the conversation rate is, is basically things that are for school, such as a computer, uh, such as uh, tutoring, okay, such as maybe uh, transportation that would, might be uh, a lot better suited there. Although if you're on campus there, we're talking about a bicycle. We're not talking about um, uh, uh, Mercedes-Benz or whatever <laughs> right. it may be. That's what they're talking about here. Uh, Lunch money or appropriate type of money to get through school throughout the day if they have to give them somewhat an eating allowance or something uh, pertaining to their diet or whatever it may be. They can increase or give more money for that particular uh, athlete to be uh, compensated by without the athlete going in their pocket and spend additional uh, monies, which, by the way, they, many of them don't have. We're not talking about a tractor being uh, parked in mom and dad's uh, backyard or something there, although I'm quite sure some schools are going to try that as well and keep that going there. The personal conversation, for instance, the um, 
the likeness of maybe a jersey or something being sold with a player's name on it or something like that there. The players cannot compensate or be compensated on that. So that is the big problem there is the marketing of some of the players that the NCAA does in order to get a profit and the player gets absolutely nothing. That's what they're talking about on the forefront when they go to court for that. Butch, uh, we're just a little over a month away from the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, we've seen some Olympic qualifying events on television. Uh, as far as basketball, Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi, a couple players picked for the U.S. Olympic women's basketball team for the men. Uh, Durant, Harden, a couple of the stars that are committed to Tokyo. And uh, the organizers of the Olympics uh, are allowing a limited number of local fans to attend. Uh, organizers set a limit of 50% capacity up to a maximum of 10,000 fans. Uh, certainly, there's been lots of questions over the past few weeks as far as Japan and uh, what they're, uh, you know, what they were going to do for the Olympics. So, at least right now, Butch, it looks like the Olympics are going to go on as scheduled here in a little over a month. That looks like it's going to be changed too. There, uh, the 50 cent capacity for local people there, and nobody international being able to go there. We're talking about a lot of parents and uh, loved ones of the particular um, of the athletes involved. Okay, uh, not being able to go overseas and to, uh, to root their child on like it has been in the past. And that's going to be a specific problem there. Where do the priority go with those parents that cannot go from other countries or whatever it may be? Or the, the spirit of the local fans being able to pay their hard-earned dollars or yens in this particular situation to come into the stadiums and cheer the athletes on. So I'm looking at some things that are going to be changed before uh, the 23rd of uh, July come up above when it comes down to uh, – who can and who cannot come into the stadiums or the venues to watch the, uh, those athletes uh, perform. Butch, the Euro 2020 soccer tournament continues in front of fans, uh, many cases limited, but in some cases full capacity. A, a little sad today, Butch. Uh, the My Finland uh, lost to Belgium 2-0, so it doesn't look like Finland's going to make it. I know. They, they, were, they didn't have high expectations, but uh, they still have a chance, but it's going to take a lot. Uh, Denmark Mark advances. They beat Russia four to one. Netherlands. They go undefeated in group play. They knock off North Macedonia three nothing. And Austria. They're into the knockout stage with a one nothing win. Uh, Butch, have you had a chance to catch any of the Euros? And uh, just overall thoughts on the tournament? If you watched Not it, as much as I did last week, there. You know, kind of last week was bittersweet with uh, Christian Eriksen. Uh, yeah. Uh, got detained there, but again, uh, I've been trying to keep up on it as much as I possibly can. But a lot of these games now are coming on very early in the morning now, instead of maybe late later on in the afternoon. So it's kind of a little bit more difficult per se there. So, but I'm I'm kind of waiting for the knockout uh, round where basically you you know exactly what's going to happen and when to get up and what to set the clock on. Yeah, the knockout rounds will start Saturday. A couple matchups already set. Wales will take on Denmark. Italy, who has looked outstanding all tournament long, will take on Austria and the Netherlands, Belgium, and uh, the other two teams that have qualified. And how about this stat, Butch? Italy has not given up a goal in international competition in over a 1,000 minutes. That's pretty darn good. That's very, very good there. So we'll see how long that lasts there with uh 
other teams coming to the forefront. Did they say anything about England? Uh, they're in there as, as well, aren't they? England has pretty much assured a spot in the knockout stage. I believe they have clinched. They take on the Czech Republic tomorrow. Croatia takes on Scotland. Uh, all those Group D. So any of those teams can win the group. Scotland played England to uh, a, a nil-nil draw, and England got booed off the field. Uh, much higher expectations in England than in Scotland for their clubs. Oh, yeah, they're happy in Scotland because they haven't been in there in a long time versus England. Uh, you know, it, it should be an automatic, per se, with the talent they have there. But, again, it should be something wild and woolly when it comes down to starting Saturday of this upcoming week for those particular knockout series to happen. Butch, on Sunday, John Rahm won the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines as he birdied the last two holes as he had a one-shot victory over Luis Austin Husen out of South Africa. I watched a little bit of it, Butch. I just just couldn't quite get into to the U.S. Open as much as past years. You know, the guys at the top of the leaderboard, I'm, I'm sure they're they're great guys, but you know, to me, it's it's kind of boring. You, you need that kind of brash uh, sort of individual or, or a bigger name in the fold. I know Rory McIlroy was up there along with Bryson DeChambeau and some others. Did you watch the U.S. Open? Because of the names uh, that that didn't surprise me there, I think the the name players did a pretty decent job of staying in the second thing. Max, uh, uh, it, it, the thing with me is, is always you know a, a known golf course like Torrey Pines that basically is very difficult to deal with, especially when the uh, the moisture out there in San Diego is always foggy or wet. You know, where you'll get a different golf game in the morning than you would in the afternoon. And that kind of kind of stuck to me a little bit there. And it has always been the case that uh, uh, people who played in the morning, uh, if they shot flat, they, they kind of did very well versus those players in the evening where basically where the, the grass is very dry and and when it's very dry, you know, your ball is going to, it's going to be moving a lot more, you know, freely there. It, that was the thing there that I kind of always engage in. I kind of ask myself, why do you keep having things here? Okay? Yeah, I you agree. Know, why can't you go up in Alaska or something to have the open or something? I don't know. But uh, other than that, you know, I, I watched it to the last hole, and uh, Rama sinking that little uh, the little putt in the in the in the in the whole um it, it, it gave a storybook ending to it. Butch, uh, before we go to our final break, uh, last Friday, the proposal to expand the college football playoff to 12 teams uh, moves forward as the College Football Playoffs Management Committee agreed to present the concept to the 11 university presidents and chancellors who will have the ultimate authority over the format at a meeting on Tuesday in Dallas. This will expand the field from its current four-team format to 12 uh, there are no definites right now as far as conclusions on how and if it will happen until this fall at the earliest. Uh, Butch, we talked about it uh, over the last couple weeks, certainly something I think that you and I both uh, support as we've talked about that a lot over the past uh, few years here on the game. Uh, at least it's one step closer. Well, being one step closer and doing it in a deserving manner where all teams are fairly uh, – able to occupy maybe a seat in on that on that committee or 
or, or for that matter, what who who is eligible for it there? And that is the sticking point to this whole situation when it comes down to uh, during the off season uh, or during the season when they uh, rate who's number one, number two, whatever it may be, and other teams because they feel they're not in a strong league or whatever it may be. How dare them do do paste that down there? Uh, it's not done in Division Two. It's not done in Division Three. Why should it be done in Division One, where it's a, it's a clown show every dog on year of bringing four teams in there and basically, and you got the uh, a field of maybe ten or fifteen teams that are very deserving to be in the playoffs there and absolutely get nothing if they cannot give something to those what you call these so-called lesser teams or teams who have a very good record, but yet and still they feel they're not in a good league or a competitive league, how they gauge that is a lot of talk that will have to be given there. So that means you're going to have to open it up toward people or maybe leagues or like the Big Ten or whatever it may be, uh, representatives uh, representing that particular league instead of doing what they're doing, uh, Southeast, ACC, uh, Big Big Twelve, and maybe one team from the Big Ten or the Pac Ten or something like that to represent, and and then everybody else uh, go to hell. Okay, <laughs> that that can't happen anymore. I agree a hundred percent, Butch. We're going to take our final break of the night. We come back. We still got to talk some WWE as Hell in the Cell uh, was last night, and the WWE will be going on the road once again coming up very soon. We'll talk about that and more all coming up on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, ESPN 1400. O'Connor's Chrysler Dodge, Dodge Truck and Jeep in Pickford is your full-service dealership. Servicing Pickford and the surrounding areas with pride for more than 50 years. O'Connor's top-notch body shop includes a state-of-the-art frame straightener. O'Connor's is also a proud supporter of community events. Its sales team has the experience to know which model is right for each customer. And with financing available to back your purchase, you can drive away today in your dream vehicle. Local people, local pride. Stop in today on M129 at O'Connor's. The last tractor you'll ever need is here. Get into a Massey Ferguson Compactor Utility Tractor and accomplish more than ever before. These versatile tractors are known for their unbeatable power, smart fuel economy, and upgraded creature comforts. And with their ability to multitask through any job around the yard or farm, they'll provide you with outstanding value for years to come. Do all you need to do and more with Massey Ferguson Compact and Utility Tractors. Visit Skinners of Pigford to find the right model for your operation. Done being stuck in the house? Ready for some summer fun on the water? Stop by Central Savings Bank for that boat or jet ski loan. Don't want to be on the water? That's okay. Come see a lender about a camper or maybe a home equity for that cabin in the woods or a side-by-side or ATV. Remember, you can always apply online at centralsavingsbank.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Equal Housing Lender, member FDIC. That's what we can do for you. Whatever you're up to this summer, Central Savings Bank has the loan product to help get it done. Whether it's buying a boat, side-by-side, camper or cabin, tractor, a new house, or a ticket out of here, we can help. Call, stop by, or apply online at centralsavingsbank.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. Central Savings Bank. 
It's 2021 and Green Metals in Dafter, your honest, main source, one-stop metal recycling business serving Northern Michigan, hopes everyone has a prosperous year. If you need a few extra dollars to help with your heating bills or that trip you may want to take to the warm state of Hawaii, bring Reed Metals your unwanted scrap metals and they'll print you a check. Reed Metals is paying top dollar for whole scrap vehicles. They also buy heavy equipment, catalytic converters, radiators, batteries, rims, and motors. Reed Metals will give you an honest price without surprise fees or deductions at the scale. Bring in copper, brass, lead, tin, cast, aluminum, steel, and many more types of recyclable metals, and they'll print you a check with your name on it. Reed Metals is your honest, one-stop metal recycling business. They also offer roll-off dumpster service. Reed Metals is open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Visit ReedMetals.com or call 906-632-0018. Bring it in or have it hauled, and Reed Metals will print you a check with your name on it. Reed Metals, 10 miles south of the Sioux on Mackinac Trail. Let's get back to the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. Let's get back to the game on ESPN 1400. 746 on the game, ESPN 1400. Scott Nason with you. We continue to be joined by co-host of the game and host of Butch on Sports, Butch Davis from Metro Detroit. Butch, let's move on to one of our favorite topics, the world of wrestling. And last night in the WWE, they had one of their pay-per-views, Hell in a Cell. Uh, pretty much saw all champions retain their titles. Uh, certainly some entertaining and strong matches throughout that competition as the WWE WWE will very soon be back on the road in front of live audiences. I know you watched Hell in a Cell, Butch. Uh, give us your thoughts and some of the best matches and moments from Hell in a Cell. Uh, it was all right there. I saw a lot of people getting the slop beat out of them, especially when it came down to those cage matches there in the cell there. <clears throat> Women bouncing around the defense and they're picking up chairs and steps and all this other stuff and beating them with them. It's not too much wrestling no more in, in those particular uh, those particular settings there where you can say, oh, it was very good. Or oh, they used to call it scientific match. Those are out the window in the WWE where basically on the AEW you might see those particular scientific matches to a certain point of the, of the match when uh, they're, they're, they're down the time limit there. Which one of the matches I don't think that hit the mark, and one of my favorite characters right now is Alexa Bliss, uh, kind of taking uh, the modified Sister Abigail angle from uh, Bray Wyatt or The Fiend, uh, taking on Ashina Baszler. I just feel like these two are very different types of performers. You know, Baszler, who has a legit MMA background, you know, at various points of the match had to act scared of Bliss crawling at her and then act like she was hypnotized. I think this is an angle that's going to be pretty tough to do in front of live audiences. What did you think of that match? It's tough. Yeah, I, really I agree. Didn't, I didn't take too much of it there. It only told me one thing is that these wrestlers are running out of ideas or the writers <laughs> or whoever yep. may be putting together these matches there, uh, going into fantasy land there and um, using hypnotizing and throwing fire and all this other good stuff there. They seem like they're, they're running out of uh, a particular there. 
And one thing I have a problem with WWE, especially there, is the amount of time they tr- try to take to build up a match, okay? Yep. You're taking seven and ten minutes of time that you can use for wrestling just to build up a match or or to say something about one particular wrestler and how I'm going to beat you up and how I'm going to get your mommy and daddy and all this other stuff they do in there to kind of hype something up. It's just too much hype going on there, and I just basically think that the WWE needs to go back to basics the way they used to be, where you have matches go on back to back to back, no matter what wrestler they put in the uh, in the square circle there, that you get to see wrestling, you know. And I was very shocked because, again, the time they take all that talking going on there, they can, you know, conceivably have two more matches built in there that might have been somewhat uh, catch the interest of someone there. And, it, you know, they're going to have to come out of the follies of thinking that violence is what gets them uh, some money there because uh, the days is not wrapped that way. And after COVID and whatnot, people are going to be very particular about how, what, and do, what they do to spend their money. And Butch, I think that's one of the things that AEW is doing well in their presentation is just kind of giving a, a more realistic feel, kind of going back to the old style of wrestling to a certain point. You go to their website, it has all the wrestlers listed and it has their retro records, which I, I find fascinating. I, although, you know, obviously wrestling is what it is at sports entertainment, but I, I think the AEW continues to be on to a very good formula. It's certainly uh, one of the companies that I've watched more of than the WWE. Yeah, and that's true for me and a whole lot of other people too, because again, they're going back to the basics of the wrestling, uh, the wrestling that maybe you were introduced by your mom or dad or your grandfather or something like that there, the day that you were spend time in the living room and watch a scientific match before that particular wrestler go uh, birdside deluxe there and beat the crap out of some wrestler and then they get to fighting and then you get the old happy ending or the sad ending going in there. I think people miss that, okay? They miss that very bad. <clears throat> Rather than see two wrestlers get in the ring and just beat the slop out of each other or Go out of bounds with the wrestling match, knowing that uh, the wrestlers should be disqualified. But you got all these officials that are running from the back until the uh, the forefront of the action there to stop it. And why wouldn't that done five minutes before all that happened when they had indication for it? Or why is the referee uh, not calling uh, certain penalties on certain particulars there? While they in the while they in the match, there I think that just drowns it and dulls the whole thing to a no, not one there. Butch, I've covered everything I had on my list as far as things to talk about in the world of sports. We still have about four or five minutes before we get to our thumbs up and thumbs down. What did I miss, and what would you like to bring up tonight? I don't know what you missed there. We we could talk about the um, the IndyCar at that duel in Detroit. They had a very large viewing audience. Uh, then they had the big audience that they had at the park when you can let in um, almost over 100,000 people for the three-day event. Uh, this year, a lot of people were forced to watch it on television. And by the way, they did pretty well, especially on Sunday when they had a huge audience of 
over a million and a half or a million and three quarters people watching the event on NBC there. So that was something good to look at and uh, to talk about. That kind of sets them up there. And, of course, we talked about football, but Media Day is upcoming this upcoming Thursday the 22nd and uh, on Friday the 23rd where you, you at least get to see the Big Ten uh, kind of rough their stuff there and tell you how good their team is going to be for these upcoming years there. And the fans want to see, I'm quite sure, the Big Ten Network, if you have that, on that day on Thursday the 22nd or Friday the 23rd, you'll be able to uh, get involved with that. And, of course, uh, those baseball, softball, and uh, lacrosse uh, winners there, uh, I gave those particulars there, the Grand Blanches, and the Orchard Lakes and the uh, Ghost Point Woods the University and the Kalamazoo uh, Preps and all this other good stuff there for baseball and South Lions, Oshawa and Richmond and Unionville. Uh, but the SBE, I don't want to pronounce that particular last part of the doggone thing. I butchered that earlier. <laughs> yeah, too bad. Yeah, huh? uh, Lacrosse was very uh, definite for the boys and the girls there and also soccer. It's done. You did mention that, but again, happy, happy, joy, joy for uh, those uh, summer leagues that's going to be going on. Hopefully those kids can get safe. Uh, the ones who are able to get a shot, go out there and get it. It's going to make them a lot more uh, decent. That's one worry off their head that they don't have to worry about And uh, until everything gets back to normal. Everybody wants to believe everything's back to normal. It is not back to normal. Still, there's a lot of work that has to be done in order for people to become in compliance, uh, being safe and rather sorry. Well said, Butch. Uh, Let's get to our thumbs up and thumbs down for the week. I will start. Thumbs up to the Rudyard Bulldogs softball team and the Rudyard Bulldog athletic program throughout this season. We had three of their players on earlier along with their head coach Steve Davis uh, making their first state final in school history. Uh, the roster includes Jersey Belleville, Delaney McDowell, Paige Postma, Tori Tremblay, Addie Kuzner, Sarah Bielen, Carly Mayer, Megan Postma, Chesney Molina, Claire Kwiatkowski, Brooklyn Besteman, Summer Smith, Desta McDowell, Abby Hetrick, Megan Bradley, Morgan Bickle, along with head coach Stephen Davis, assistant coaches Lance Bickle, Kevin Postma, Dean Besteman, and Tom McKee and manager Emma Mitchell. This Rudyard program throughout a very uh, challenging sports season accomplished great things. I think it's the best uh, overall season for a school in the Eastern Upper Peninsula in history as their softball team made a state final. Boys basketball team, the state semifinals. Girls basketball team made a state quarterfinal. The girls volleyball team made a state quarterfinal. The football team made the playoffs. Just a tremendous job done by all the coaches, volunteers, and especially the athletes in Rudyard. I certainly have ties to Rudyard, uh, working down there, and certainly very happy to see their success, and it's very well-deserved. And thumbs down just to... 
automobile accidents in this area over the past weeks. We had a horrible one right close to the radio station, actually, on Thursday, where a 20-year-old Sioux, Michigan girl died after pulling over for a reckless driver. Just a very sad situation. We saw that on Sunday in Gaylord as a couple young women lost their lives in a traffic accident on I-75. So thumbs down to that. Please be careful out there. You know, it goes without saying that once you get behind the wheel, you could endanger someone's lives. And we've seen that far too many times already this summer. So please be careful out there and just use caution when you're driving. Butch, your thumbs up and thumbs down for the week, sir. Oh, boy. Well, we do the thumbs down. I'm going to piggyback off that riding and whatnot. A whole lot of days been going to Southeast Michigan as we're looking at kids getting shot up on the expressway mm-hmm. by rowdy, rowdy drivers there. And uh, that is not a cool situation at all there. Uh, the youngest is two years old. Yeah. We we don't need that. Uh, let's do uh, the due diligence of ratting out somebody there when yeah. you know they're doing a no doggone good there. That, that's got to stop. The silence there, that's got to stop. Okay, you know somebody with a gun there, you're supposed to have one, point them out, get them off the street, or else get somebody to knock some sense into them there so they don't have to play by those particular rules there. And uh, thumbs up, Golden, maybe I'm going to be nice. The Detroit Tigers wow. went on over 500 record on the road this up past weekend, uh, salvaging this up there, seeing the young talent come into play. And by golly, the young talent who is coming up now, they're showing their worth. Uh, it's going to make it very hard and difficult for the management staff of the Tigers to uh, set something up next year as you're going to see those young kids uh, one by one come into play. The softer side of Butch Davis coming out with the Detroit Tigers. Butch, I didn't yeah, expect that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we will have Detroit Tigers baseball tomorrow night over on our sister station, 1230 WSO, as the Tigers will take on the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Butch, we got about a minute or so left. Brand new edition of Butch on Sports from last night. What's on deck this week for your show, Butch on Sports? I don't know. I'm going to kind of, uh, I started last Wednesday a little bit on investigating on uh, how those kids, are, how the kids are going to uh trying to get themselves together for the off-season there. And what is it going to be available for them there? We haven't heard a lot about no softball, no baseball, or anything of that nature, although you know it's going on there in pockets in, in the state of Michigan there. But uh, we'll investigate on what do the Detroit Tigers and other pro teams have to do to kind of make it right for a lot of people who may not have the funds or the monies or be able to uh, – be able to play sports now. You know you got to pay to play. Um, that is very, very synonymous with uh, playing summer league baseball or whatever uh, sport you choose to deal with, even a soccer camp or something like that, where a lot of bucks got to be shelled out for these kids to have uh, a good camp or whatever it may be. We'll be talking about that, and what can we do about it? Looking forward to that. Again, you can find Butch's show, Butch on Sports, on his website, Simply Butch 2. That's too.podomatic.com or our website, thegamesportshow.podbean.com. Butch, thanks for joining us. We'll get you back in your usual slot next week at 645, and we will talk to you then for our next edition of the game. All righty. Be looking forward. 
As will I. I want to thank all our guests tonight, including CCHA Commissioner Don Lucia, along with Stephen Davis, head coach of the Rudyard Bulldogs softball team, and their players, Morgan Bickle, Paige Postma, and Brooklyn Bestman, along with co-host David McKegg and Butch Davis. We will be back next Monday night right here on ESPN 1400 for our next edition of the game. Have a great night, everyone. Thanks for listening to the game here on ESPN 1400, WKNW, Sault Ste. Marie's sports leader. Check us out next Monday at 6 for the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. You can hear the podcast of the show and other broadcasts at thegamesportshow.com.